Got here, head over to patreon.com slash the and subscribe for all that goodness. Yes. What is our two by two today? It's a brother, a little movie that was, um, came out in the eighties about pilots and then pirates, pilots, pilots. Yes. Okay. And Making then sure another movie I that came the out. right thing. Yeah. Another movie that came out recently. <laughs> Really? It's pretty old now. It is now, yeah. But it feels recent. It's like a new horror classic, maybe? Maybe, yeah. Um, horror comedy classic, about, for sure. It's about fish. Yes. Yeah. The band Are there fish. pirates in that? No. They're on a lake. There's no pirates on lakes. Pirates I don't know if I watched the right movie. Pirates are only in the Caribbean. That's it. Piranhas of the Caribbean. Yes. Pirates 3D. Yeah, starring Martin Short. <laughs> Okay. Uh, where is the Captain Ron remake? That's all I want. I want, like, old grizzled Captain Ron Kurt Russell has to come out of retirement to help the Harvey family again. It is kind of amazing it hasn't been rebooted at this point. Yeah. Even as, like, a, you know, limited series. A Roku original. Yeah. Really want to see that Weird Al movie, by the way. Me too. I guess we got to get Roku sticks. Dad has one. Oh, I guess we got to go to Mom and Dad's to watch the Weird Al movie. The TVs in Key West both had like they were Roku TVs it's like built into it's pretty neat alright yeah we're talking about Top Gun and Piranha 3 today <laughs> how did we get here Piranha 3D yeah Piranha 3D excuse me it's not the th- I mean is it technically the third one it's in the franchise 3D. I mean there's did Piranha, they do I think there's Piranha and Piranha 2 yeah Piranha 2 the, the spawning yeah right, that's uh, early Jim Cameron joint you know, yeah took his that's name right. off of it yeah yes the original's Joe Dante. Yes. Because right? it's like, right? is it Piranha? I don't have my phone. Piranha 2 is the one that he's, when they come down to set, he's like, it's one of those, because it's a Corman movie, right? Yes. And like, he's working on it as a special effects guy, and Galen Hurd is like, this guy's pretty impressive, because he's talking to her like, you know, he runs the show, and she found out he was just like a prop special effects dude, but like, that's where he first met her. And then shortly after Piranha 2 comes out, he gets the the green light to go and do Terminator. And then it's all, that's all she wrote from there. It's just hit after hit after hit, then a maybe a miss, and then a hit and a hit and a hit and a hit. What was the miss? I don't really feel like people talk about the abyss that much. I think that's because it's not easily it's, watchable anywhere. Right. Um, but I think it's just because like, he loves the water and he loves the ocean and the mystery of the ocean. I mean, if you're ranking them, it's definitely probably towards the bottom but yeah still if that's your worst movie on your resume can't complain doing pretty good great yeah. michael it's one that i constantly am like i'd like to rewatch that and i can never find it anywhere i guess i need to just you know buy an old dvd or something. maybe yeah but uh it's 
Yeah, because it's the abyss. It's then horror T2. adjacent. It's like yeah. I feel like I could get away with that for October. Yeah. Maybe. Anything creepy in the deep, it always is just like creepy in the deep. Yeah. No thanks, because uh-huh. it's you know you know how I feel about Cthulhu, so it's just you know I do, <laughs> as you've told me many yes. times. Okay, uh, Piranha 3D from 2010. Yes. I guess the first question: Did you see this in 3D? Because I, I definitely did. I did. And it was yeah, a good yeah. time. Oh yeah, it was fun. Okay. It was fun rewatching it and seeing the scenes that were like, oh, this is definitely meant for like 3D. Yes. Um, are 3D TVs still a thing? Like I for the know. home market, do they ever really take off? I don't. Do know. They figure it out. I don't. Because we're. I mean, we we're just talking about Cameron, and I'm like, you know, I've got an Avatar Blu-ray. That I think includes the 3D edition, but of course I don't have a 3D television, so I've never been able to watch it. Still have not seen Avatar. Are you going to check it out before the Mm. sequel drops this? I'm just going to watch Dances with Wolves and The Last Samurai again, back to back, and I'll have the whole plot. That joke is almost as old as the length of time between these these sequels. See? So was the joke I just attempted to make. Yes. Um... Oh, excuse me. Okay, so I also, I wanted to, I, we should dive back a little bit and talk about Alexander Aja. Oh, yeah. Director of Piranha 3D. Right. Uh, so we're starting with Piranha 3D. We're going to wait on Top Gun until the end. I think we will. The superior film, obviously. Um, Here's my hot take. Okay. I disagree with you. If we're even just, like, we don't normally pit these two movies against each other. It's not the point of the two by two. Right. But, uh, yeah, no, if I had to pick one or the other, uh, I would rewatch Piranha 3D. Okay. Uh, 10 out of 10 times before I would rewatch Top Gun again. Is it Tom Cruise's teeth? Is that what it is? <laughs> for you, I guess. I just wonder what it is for you. I mean, I, I don't know. We'll I, get to it. Okay. <laughs> All right. Fair enough. Let's go. Let's talk. That's Piranha. what we call a tease a yes. setup, a yes. checkoffs hot take. Yes. If you will. Mm hmm. Alexander Aja? A guy I have mixed feelings on. Why is that? But I think is an undeniable, like, a good director. Yeah, he can do the job. And hit, when he hits... It's great. I love him. But he starts kind of right out of the gate with a uh, a movie that I think we still don't quite see eye to eye on that puts him on the map. What's that? High Tension. Oh, you're not you're not into High Tension? No. Okay. We talked about this at the time. Like, it's not only the twist that is completely illogical and, like, breaks the reality of everything you've been watching prior. It's just, it's a total, like, style over substance thing, which is totally fine. But he, you know, it's not his first, but I I don't know if you can find Furia, which I also see on here. Yeah, it's just. Did you watch the original, like, the source material for High Tension? What do you mean the source material? It's a remake. Oh, Switchblade Romance. It's okay. a it's a it's a remake of a foreign film. I think maybe French. It is a foreign film, so I don't understand what you're I thought saying. High Tension was the American version of like another foreign film. No. Oh. Oh, high they tension call it Switch... is the it came out here dubbed, I think. Uh maybe that's it. Okay. Yeah, but okay. it's a, it is a foreign film. Okay. It's a foreign I don't know why I thought it was two different movies. But that puts him on the map enough that they give him The Hills Have Eyes. Yeah. The remake, which is one of those where I kind of, I think it functions more as like 
a movie movie than the original does. Yeah. But the original's still very effective. But I, I The original know. tries to, has this weird, like, it's supposed to be a documentary feel to me. When they explain to you what happens and the way it's shot, it, it, it kind of, it, I don't know if it's a Craven decision, but it almost feels like you're watching a document of what happened to this family from, like, a weird third-person view and this basically grounds it in like you feel like you're there with the family and you're not being told a story after the fact. You're being told the story as it happens. Maybe that's just me. Maybe it's just the filming technique and the mise-en-scene of the original is just not where it should be. But yeah, the I'd original to, uh, is all right. But the Hills Have Eyes remake, I feel like, is... Is a fair, is one of those that you can point to in that era of them remaking everything where it's like, this one was all right. Yeah. It was okay. It's well shot, for mm-hmm. sure. Definitely has an aesthetic. Um, then he has mirrors, which I never saw. That's the Kiefer Keith Sutherland, no, never saw it. Uh, Paula Patton, and Amy Smart vehicle, which pretty much got completely trashed. So I never bothered with it. And then he shows up with Piranha 3D, and I'm like, "Where's this guy been the whole time?" Right. Because it's a <clears throat> it's a tone that I don't know if you could. This is I like I don't know how this plays if you release this exact same movie today. In my, I mean, for me rewatching it, I was like, I think it's, it's hard as in the right place. Mm-hmm. It's a fun romp. Right. And maybe they wouldn't lean as hard into some of the like, you know, sexualization elements, but that's kind of the fun of, that's kind of the fun of this movie at the same time was like seeing a horror movie that was like, no, yeah, we're going to play around with all of those tropes as well. Mm-hmm. So it feels like it encapsulates, this is going to be a weird no, I don't want to try and sound like snobbish or like film studentish, but it feels like the whole crux of like the quote unquote slasher eighties slasher eighties, like horror, like there's going to be some boobs, there's going to be some nudity and then some blood and guts. I feel like it actively knows that that's what this movie, the original source material came out in and it wants to play on that, but also subvert it and be like, yes, there's a need for this. It is a spring break, quote unquote, movie. I've never been to a spring break where this happens. Maybe I don't live in the right the right state. Yeah, I've never been to Florida for spring break. Only ever been to Myrtle Beach. And yes, they do, you know, throw some beads, see some boobs. That's great. But there's, I've never been like on a boat with a bunch of other boats partying. It just seems like, you know, you kind of maybe have to do it in the lake because you're not rocking back and forth because it's yeah. not the ocean. So... You also know. seems very overwhelming. Yeah. But yeah, it's it's trading on this like nostalgia that I don't even think necessarily exists for the original movie as a property. So it's kind of more just like You know what it is? Another okay. weird take. It knows that there's a portion of the audience that's there for the TNA, but by this point in time, it knows there's a bigger portion of the audience that's there for the blood and guts they're there for the Saul the hostile the all those like not not torture porn but like they're somebody who's there for like the graphic violence quote unquote because I feel like of a lot of these this has some better like CGI moments and like practical you know it's a effects. Mix, it's a mix of both yeah and yeah I mean we, we don't have to go through beat by beat but yeah the centerpiece like you know, all hell breaks loose sequence yeah, the with all the, the boats yeah. partying. Like, it's still an all timer for like modern, just like yeah, chaos. Yeah, 
Mm-hmm. It's very well staged. It's bru- It's just one thing on top of another. Like the dude trying to. I will never get over the dude trying to escape and revving the motor with the girl's hair. Right. Like I. I that was what in the theater. I, that was one of those where I was just like, oh, they're not going to do it. No, <laughs> they're not. They're going to cut. They're, they're not they'll, going to cut. They'll cut. Oh no, they didn't do it. Oh shit. And, uh, and, and also in that scene, it gets us to the reason we're here. I don't remember Adam Scott being that much of a badass the first time I saw it, but like he's, he he's has his moments. It, he is you know? spoiler alert. One of the reasons we're here, go check right. out, you know, the ER episode. But, uh, yeah, he de- it is it, it is weird because it's like this is the only only time we ever got this. Right. Like action scientist Adam mm-hmm. Scott, like believably so. He's Matt Hooper with a gun. But the reason you don't remember is because that whole scene, I mean, Ving just comes in <laughs> yes. and just steals the <laughs> yes. fucking show. Yes. And I still regret that I've never seen the sequel where apparently he's alive, right? Yeah. He's there's the a only scene one where he's who comes like, back. There's a scene where he's like, go get my legs. <laughs> and they put his legs on I remember on this from the yeah. trailer, but yeah. yeah, maybe I should watch that one. It uh, is, by all this. accounts, god-awful, and I will tell you, it is nowhere near as fun okay. as the first one. Well, I've seen three double D. That's a bummer, but yeah. respect to Ving Rhames for showing up for the Strings yeah. DVD sequels, which I think he did for a couple Dawn of the Dead movies. One other one. One With other one. With Mina Suvari, maybe? Yeah, Mina Suvari. Yeah. I was having a Mina Suvari, Mira Sorvino moment hmm. the other day, and I could not get them straight in my head. But I was, we were watching Friends reruns, as we're apt to do. Um, and I was like, why the hell did, and I just like, I was like, I can't, I was like, the name's not coming. But eventually I got to, I was like, why did Mira Sorvino, which is what I meant to say, yeah. never guessed at any point. It's like she and Kudrow had Romeo and Michelle. And, like, that was a great pairing. How did she never show up in all ten seasons? Because Applegate was like, her sister, right? Exa- that's why we were talking about it. Because yeah. it was the second episode with Christina Applegate as the sister. Yeah. Which I do love because she's like, oh, yeah, she, her Jill got fat. And she's like, oh, where'd she get all the weight? Ass face. And I'm like, oh, they're talking about Reese Witherspoon, <laughs> technically. Yeah. From when she guessed it in right. the previous episode. I thought that was hilarious. But, yeah, it was like they, sh- they totally should have brought in one more sister and had it, you know, have it be the cool one. Right. Or she's a friend of, of Phoebe's. But right. I was just shocked she never showed up. But I think she, like, quit acting for a little bit. You know, know what it was? I believe if you're talking... Well, no, it wasn't... It's the other one. Mina Savari had, like, a, a controlling dad thing on set that oh, kind of cost gross. her some career stuff. I mean, I just... You know, Mira Savino, the people don't talk about enough. The replacement killers? That yeah. shit is, like, awesome. Kind of surprised we haven't done it for a retro review yet. And the only reason I thought about it, it just popped, it's popped up on Max, like it's available there now again. And I'm like, dude, every time I watch this, it just gets better and better. So when we get done with the Summer in the ER series, we might have to go back to something I mean, like any that. time you want to do, you know, two fists full of fat, uh, we could do yeah. the Corruptor and uh, Replacement Killers, the two, yeah. the two attempts at like crossing the border before ultimately it's like... Crouching Tiger just ends up becoming a fucking global phenomenon. Right. And then everybody's like, oh, yeah, we know that guy from movies. But, yeah. yeah. You mean Cao Fang, the, the the Chinese pirate from... Oh, no, you mean the bulletproof monk. That's what you oh, mean. God, nobody means the bulletproof monk. <laughs> oh, you mean Detective Inspector Tequila. I got you. Yeah, yeah dude. The killer. I got you. Yeah. Do you remember we got that game, dude? Stranglehold? Dude, I still have Stranglehold. That's so cool. 
I wish they would port it for the PS5 so you could like just go on there and download it and play it. It'd be great. That would be nice. They could also just you know make another one. Be yeah, happy with that. Be very happy with that. Okay. We haven't mentioned her yet. No, uh, we haven't. But you and I have also been in the midst of you know season five of Cobra Kai, uh, a show that's uh, where she chose to grace us with her presence. The incredible Elizabeth Shue yes. was the lead in this movie. Indeed. I feel like. Hamlet 2 is like a little, is a few years before this, I think. I I'm believe trying to so. remember. No, Hamlet 2 is like when I'm in college. I thought it was 2007. Maybe. Because there's the joke in there where she's like, hey, it's me, Elizabeth Shue. I'm ready to act. Hey, I'm ready to act again. Oh, it's, it's Elizabeth Shue. Like she's calling. <laughs> it's like that performance is what makes her wants to get back in, get back into acting and whatnot. If I'm not mistaken. Yeah, no, you've got it correct. I'm just. What's the year on it? I'm curious I'm, now. I'm working on it. 2008, you're correct. Yeah, so it's beforehand. Yeah. Uh, yes, but so she had been... I feel like that's the start of her right. being back in the zeitgeist. Yeah. Um, and it's just not nicely now carried through to the boys and Cobra Kai. And now right. she's just... Yeah. She's still got it. Oh, 100%. Yeah. And she's like... This is... I guess you consider it like a transitional role where it's like she's playing a mom now right she's playing like a badass mom a cool mom who's <laughs> sure yes uh three kids older teenager yep uh did this kid ever go on to do anything i don't think so i don't yeah, i don't it is kind of one of those yeah. one and done performances uh but yeah so spring break's happening he's He's got to stay with the, the little kidlets. Mm-hmm. He doesn't want to do that because he's got an opportunity to go party on a boat. With the fat kid from Stand By Me. Not so fat anymore. And Paul Shear. Yeah, <laughs> out of nowhere, Paul Shear. Very like, excited. And in I'm my sure head, every adult Jerry O'Connell role is the he's just the fat kid from Stand By Me just grew up and became this. So whether it's uh, Scream 2, whether it's Piranha Trick 3. Trick McNeely. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oh my god, I forgot I forgot all about that. <laughs> you're sexual Looking icon. Like, you're sexual icon, man. <laughs> I tell you, man, these college girls are so hard to yeah. he's come up before, dude. But yeah, the sad the the sad version of Wooderson instead of the yes. cool version of Wooderson. <laughs> Genius move in that movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh no, I love him I love his ability to lean it. Like Scream Two is a great example of like Oh, dude, like Joe College, good all-American Jerry O'Connell. Like, mm-hmm. what a great guy. Oh, my God, he dies on a cross. Like, Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> um, literally, like Jesus. And and then I sit and I'm like, but I feel like he loves to just play a prick. Oh, dude. yeah. He loves to lead <laughs> yeah. into it. And that's why this is like one of my favorite screen performances oh, yeah. of his entire career. Because he is unhinged and there are no there's no rules for like how like gross and grimy he can be and yeah i i think this is a tour de force of douchebaggery i yes. think he's incredible in this movie 100 percent. um one of the standouts but everybody's having a great time dude i mean we again we open with a jaws joke that's what i remember like i don't yep. think that was in any of the trailers but nope. i sit down to watch this and i'm like that's straight up fucking Richard Dreyfus in the same in a fucking boat, outfit, drinking Amity beer out of a bottle. Like, dude, I do you not hear I what am, he was listening to? It's the show. Show me, me the way yeah, to go. Yeah, home. Of course, yeah. no. All of this shit, and I'm just, I immediately was locked into like this movie is gonna be so much fun. Exactly. And I can't believe we didn't get more of these. 
Yeah. Like 3D wise in general. And granted, I don't know how it would play, but I think the best Aja movie came out like a couple years ago. Fucking Crawl. Oh, yeah. Barry Pepper. Oh, my God, dude. Imagine that in 3D, though. Dude. Yeah. Like, that movie was a great time. Oh, uh, God, yes. I th- I think that's my favorite of his career. Uh, and like I said, when he hits, he hits, dude. And What's this, he got in between these two? Uh, between this and Crawl. There might be some other gems in there. You never know. Oh, my gosh. I'm trying to think, because I thought there was one more after Piranha that was him that I was just like, oh, yeah, that's that's dope. I like that guy. I feel like he did. Hold on. We're getting there. Because, I mean, Crawl was just like out of nowhere. I didn't hear anything about okay, it. Okay, so he has Piranha 3D in 2010. Yeah. Then he has Horns, the Daniel, Daniel Radcliffe, Radcliffe yeah. uh, Stephen King's son. Adapted, Joe Hill. Couldn't think of his name. Yeah. Uh, the Ninth Life of Louis Drax. I don't yeah. remember it. Don't that. Remember that one at all. And then Crawl. Yeah, huh. that's it. And then he uh, did something for Netflix last year called Oxygen. Huh. Let's see that. And he is currently in pre-production on a horror movie called Motherland. Hmm. Okay. That's about it. But yeah, again, I think uh, like. A guy that kind of has like an undeniable like visual sense, and uh, you know, one of the dudes who's still doing you know made his bones in horror and hasn't been like okay now let me go do right. whatever has constantly come back to the genre yeah uh, which is cool so, so I mean basically what we're dealing with here is that after the scene you just talked about with Dreyfus. Yes. There's an earthquake. During that scene, there's an earthquake. There's a tectonic shift. Yes. And what has happened is that there is a pocket underneath this lake that actually delves into a bigger lake. And there are prehistoric life forms that are down there that have come to the surface. And what we discover later on in the movie from probably one of the best scientists ever in film history um, is that these piranhas survived by essentially eating each other. And now they're coming to the surface and they're, I mean, they're out for blood. They want meat. They're, they're hungry. They got to eat. Pretty simple premise. Basically. Yeah. Meanwhile, you have the jaws of it all where it's spring break. Nobody yep. wants to close, close things late, down. Uh, and so chaos ensues, but you want to talk about just like, I mean, again, we're not here to compare the two. This movie knows exactly what it is, but on a level of like, okay, this is the Kittner boy right. getting killed and the chaos of that scene and everybody like coming off the beach and all of that shit. But this is our version of it. Right. With a bunch of digital piranhas just shredding people. And the again, the chaos of the human-on-human stuff, which is always a surprising factor, I feel like, when movies go there. But like that's the... That is almost the more terrifying element is like you're so scared to end up in the water that you're... Right. That and people's desperation to like just stay above it just oh yeah. my god dude it plays really really well in the midst of this movie that is like encouraging you to like laugh out loud at the the crazy over the topness of the violence but it does get to like a sheer if you're a person who has anxiety about crowds in general right. i think it really does like it communicates that phobia really it plays with that shit mm-hmm. um and i can't really think of anything 
like this as a centerpiece sequence with this like number of people this amount just kind of compacted into a little 10 minute like section recently that's like a glove so i guess you could go with like maybe the last 10 minutes of cabin in the woods the remake huh the remake or the original cabin in the woods oh i'm talking cabin fever sorry yeah 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 (laughs) I never saw the remake. I, I, it's on like the worst list, so I was okay. just like, "Wait, what?" No, but yeah, Cabin. The yeah, as crazy as yeah, the last little bit of Cabin. The, of the Drew Woods Goddard is, movie. The yeah, good, where everything comes movie. out at you. Yeah. Yes, the whole like, I'm just trying to think of stuff on that scale where it's an extended like bloodbath. I would say like maybe 28 weeks later when um the thing breaks loose, like like. Robert Carlyle goes in to see his wife, and the wife kisses him, and then he instantly becomes like infected. And you have that like, it's been a little while, but I'll definitely be. It basically that becomes one. like they herd everybody in, and then like lights are kind of off there in like emergency mode, and you realize one thing is in there, which quickly multiplies into several, and then they all spill out, and that's when Renner's like, okay, <coughs> Jimmy Renner's like, okay, it's all fucked. We got to bug out, and like, um, you know, he gets to the kids, and you know, they get out of town and whatnot. But yeah, there's not a lot of. I'm trying to think because I want to say there was something I saw and it was just like, it's like a bunch of people running. It's like not a trampling sequence, but it was just like chaos erupting and just like, there's, you're right. There's not a lot of like, I think we lose sight of that because I, I, you know, it's a quote unquote monster movie. And the idea is like, there's the danger in the water, get out of the water. But you don't think about the idea that like, man is the most dangerous game. Like, you know, I've said it a million times, but like. <laughs> Just what you're talking about with like the hair thing. I think it's like, written, I think they've written like, some books about that. Yeah, at least one or two of them. Um, well, like with the hair thing, it's like that dude is out of the water. Okay, the mm-hmm. piranha is not going to jump and like get him. His feet and body are out of the water. There's a woman stuck to. Well, these piranha are going to jump and get him. Yeah, but we don't know that yet. Um, <laughs> and but yeah, and then of course you know they're pulling everybody out, and Ving Rhames just taking the the boat motor off at the end and just shoving it in the water, just like. Slicing them all up as he's getting as he's like, getting his leg torn to shreds. Yeah. Oh my yeah. god, dude! Just great stuff. Yeah. Uh, again, we got Adam Scott hopping on a, uh, a jet ski and like getting a shotgun. And he's just shotgun. He's just one, sh- you know, one hand and just you know guiding, shooting. It's yeah, yeah, doing a great job. Yeah. Uh, Christopher Lloyd, before or after this whole sequence, he kind of sets up. I think. He tells him what it is. Right. And that, like, you know... These... Great to see him. Another one where I remember at the time thinking, like, oh, well, this isn't really, like... It's not like they're going for an outright, like, oh, it's Christopher Lloyd from Back to the Future thing. It's just like, no, it's just like, they just kind of chose to cast Christopher Lloyd in this movie. Yeah. Which is kind of what I loved about it. It's just like, no, he's just going to play a fucking kooky character. Yeah. like. This is your Captain Ahab, I guess, if you will. To me, this is more of, well, not... Or Quint, I guess? Maybe. I would say this is more of like a... a well, no, because he was like... Wasn't he like a, more of a stoner in Taxi? Or was he... Yeah. Or like on, a head in Taxi? He was on drugs a lot in Taxi. That was a joke. But like, it was... To me, it felt more in that vein. Not so much like a, a kooky Doc Brown or something yeah. like that. More of just a, like, oh my... You know, like just. Out, I guess. Like, I guess know. that's what I'm saying. Is I'm just like, yeah, it feels so. You, immediately when you see Christopher Lloyd, you always think like, oh, stunt casting for like, 
whatever. Right. But you forget that like some people, it's like he is just a great actor. Right. Like you can just put him in a role. And I think that's what I remember sitting there the whole time, the first, like in the theater going like, okay, so like, what are they trying to write? And I'm like, no, he's just a character. Like this. School. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I mean, as soon as I saw him, I was like, I bet they don't even lock their doors. Cause people def- forget about he definitely that. has kind of aged into looking more and more like that character. Uh, it was just him eating beans by a fire and like out it. of a can. I didn't like it at all with a knife. Terrifying. Yeah. Absolutely terrifying. Poor little Mason Gamble. I'm I mean, sure he still has nightmares. And it's like it he's just a he's just a hobo. Like he's just a hobo not with a shotgun, but a hobo with a knife, you know? Hobo with a shotgun. Oh god bless him. If he and Rucker Howard could get, could have been in a movie, hobo with a switchblade and a shotgun. Another like again, mid two thousands, like yeah. feels like we would never get another movie like that no. again. I think we could, but it's going to be one of these. It's like, it's somebody who's not established from a studio. That's not a, a step tier below neon in a 24 mm-hmm. that is not huge, but they may have one or two other things under their belt that people can look and be like, Hey, look at what these guys did. And it's going to be an actor who I would say something like a pig pig's not like a big studio release. It's A24. A24. Yeah, or no, okay. it's Neon. Neon. Yeah, so like Neon. a step below that. You have a big name, but not a big name who is in a ton of straight-to-DVD stuff. You would have to get a big name that maybe hasn't done anything in a long time, a la like a Kevin Sorbo or a, a Lorenzo <laughs> Lamas, that type. Not, I'm saying like they were big at one point, and people recognize them, but they get to come back and they get to do something new but that is also wild and crazy out there. And people are like, oh my God, what happened to this guy? Check he, check on Sorbo, by the way. Yeah. Is he I think dead? he's in, no, I think he's in like Dean Kane territory oh, these he days, is. I'm pretty sure. Uh, Lorenzo Lamas, I just assume as well. Right. Could be wrong. Something to look into. It's just weird that you immediately threw those at me. Like, I'm just thinking of big, tall, strong men. That's all. <laughs> I'm sure we can find some other big, tall, strong men. Yeah. I mean, maybe. Or like a. I don't know. There's plenty any other of thoughts on Piranha 3D? I I appreciate what every good horror movie does, and that it gives you that ultimate satisfactory. We've killed the thing ending. Well, okay, they do. I mean, they have a pretty solid final set piece, right? All set on the giant the, yacht, the yacht which has the glass bottom, right? Um, Did Paul Shear? I don't. We see Paul Shear die. No, because I think he shows up for the sequel. Yeah, that's my thing. It's like, how did he get off the boat and not... I don't remember. Does he leave at some point? Did he? I I don't know, man. Yeah, I don't understand. Yeah, I don't... Because, like, honestly, I had it on. I went and, like, changed laundry, and I was, like, looking... I mean, same thing with this one. I was like, it's maybe a light refresher, but I was like, I don't... But if he doesn't, and they don't explain it, he just shows up. That makes the second one and, like, makes it even more brilliant. It's just like, you know... Again, why why I kind of want to... Right. Watch the second one just for shits and giggles. Or if he just were like pop up Is on the end. Is it Gulliger? I think it's the dude who did Feast. Probably so. That Pretty actually sure. sounds right. Which means it's probably fine. Yeah. Just very fine. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So they have the, the giant set piece where they're stuck and they're, the kid finally is like, you know what? I got to own up to everything. Like, you know, here's the deal. I'm going to turn the gas on. and They kind of do the, uh, they have to do the, uh, the Jaws 2 bit. Right. The crawling right. across and trying not to get bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
and then yeah, they have the final thing where they they blow it. You think everything's great, save the day. We're all yeah. good. Um, and and as they're there, like you know, we get a little radio call coming in from uh, I don't even remember his name, but it's Christopher Lloyd, the scientist, the marine biologist, or whatever. And he was like, you know, the, this one you brought me, it's it um, it's not it's not showing the normal signs of a a prehistoric creature. What do you mean? It's like, well, you know, there would be these specific things if it was actually, you know, hundreds of years or, you know, millions of years old, like we thought. These are, these are probably the babies. <laughs> and we get the, the perfect last shot of Adam Scott being like, so where's the parents? <laughs> One actually jumps out of the water, takes his body, and he's it's, back under the water. Yeah, it's, it's about perfect. four or five times the size of the other ones we've yes. seen throughout the movie. And again, a great setup for a sequel. Yeah. Uh, which we did, you know, inevitably just went straight to DVD, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. But let me look and see how this did. Because I don't. I feel like it did pretty decent. I'm, I'm willing to bet it probably doubled what it cost. Well, I don't know what people considered a hit back then. To fi- and we will be left in suspense forever. My phone just died. Oh, well, I mean, I can. So if I you want to IMDb that. Yeah. Yeah, because I want to say, I don't think the second one did nearly as much in terms of like, I just don't think there was anybody in it. Had somebody been in it, it would have been fine. Right. Yeah, $24 million, made $83 million. August 2010, 88 minutes. You're in and out in under 90 minutes. Shocked that, yeah, so you get a bunch of showtimes packed into the theater. Yeah. You're getting the extra bump because of the 3D ticket price. Exactly. And people are having a good time. So why... Why does the sequel get shuttled off straight to video? Is what I'm curious about. Or did it come out in theaters? Um, it did. Double D had a theatrical run. Yep. Two years later, May 11th, June, uh, May 11th in the UK, June 1st in 2012. I think they were trying to bank off of the success of it, and it's six minutes shorter, made for five million dollars, <laughs> and it only made eight point five million at the box office. Okay. Yeah. Well, that's unfortunate. There's no, and there's no, Pan, Danielle Panabaker, maybe. I don't know what she would have been doing. Gary Busey was in it. See, again, while I think a great setup for a sequel, maybe we just needed another R-rated 3D horror film. Yeah. Uh, with some cool visuals in it. When is My Bloody Valentine 3D? I want to say like, that's like a year before. Like, maybe yeah, like 2009. That sounds right. Even that one, like, I don't... Bring it back. 2009. Bring yeah. it back. That is, um... Especially after, dude, especially after Way of Water drops. That's, uh... Patrick Lussier. Yeah. Yeah. Director of Drive Angry. Director also of... in 3D. Dracula 2000. That was not in 3D. I know it wasn't, but still. Oh. Yeah. Um, yeah. My Bully Valentine 3D, 14 million meets 100 million. So it's definitely we were in that late two thousand because we you know we talk about like transitional years from decade to decade, and I guess maybe on some level maybe for horror at least we might have been burnt out by like oh we got the Saw movies and the Torch movie because if I'm not mistaken one of those Saws down the line there is a three D element 3D. to it right yes. yeah so maybe towards the end of that decade we were like all right this is what we've done with the genre so far what can we do well you know back in the day three D was kind of a thing. Maybe we could, uh, maybe we could kind of go into that, and that's when because I feel like around that time you get the 
3D theater experience, which may not necessarily mean something pops out at you, but just the definition and like high def of it. It's not IMAX. It's not a RPX, but it's it's still a different visual experience because yeah. I remember like most of the Marvel stuff in the early part of it, there was a 3D element to it. So it's almost like we converged on this idea that 3D would be something that we could throw in the theaters, but when it comes out on Blu-ray and whatever, you won't you won't necessarily not know the difference. You'll be able to tell like, oh, this was definitely meant for right. you know, 3D, especially with spoiler alert, especially with Jerry O'Connell's you know phallus just dangling in the water being eaten by fish. Just you notice the, how I conveniently just like avoided yeah all of that midsection sequence. Mm-hmm. Where we it's, have it's a Ave great Maria co- playing it's, as, as two women swim naked. Yeah. Well, but th- what ultimately happens to him, it's like the ultimate comeuppance. It's like, of course, because is he going to survive that? Possibly. No, not really. Is he used as sacrifice later to get the piranhas away from the ship? Yes. yes. But like <laughs> ultimately. Chunk of a torso. It's yes. oh, so gross. Yeah. That's great, though. Because that's the thing. You can't. That's And I think that's the big difference between the two. You get bit by Jaws. Seventy-five mm, percent chance you're gonna bleed you, out. You're gonna like die. A few minutes. You're gonna bleed out. Yeah, you get bitten, not just like you know rubbed up against or like a chunk or something taken off. Because if something gets taken off of you, leg, limb, whatever, that's an artery gone. And if you don't burn it, you're gonna die. Piranhas, they don't bite that deep, but they keep biting, and it's eventually like they can gnaw through stuff. At once. One piranha bite, probably not that bad. A thousand piranha bites from prehistoric piranha bites. God knows what's in the bacteria in their mouths and stuff. Yeah, you're done, you know? Oh, man. And again, this movie does hit on all the visualizations of, like, what you would think is a terrible, terrible, like, experience. I think it hits it visually and then some. Oh, absolutely. Where you can imagine it, but then what they show you is ten times worse than what you would have even thought of in the back of your head. So... Yes. And again, we got there because Mr. Adam Scott was a guest star on an episode of ER. If you want to hear more about that ER episode, go check us out on the Patreon. And yeah, we can move into our our next feature film. We're going to hop on the highway. Yeah. Okay. Spread out, spread out our wings tonight. <laughs> okay. You jumping off the deck? Hang. Running. Hanging. Hanging. Hanging with the boys. Uh, fantastic Lying. montage. Yes, on, uh, oh, dude. Oh my god. Go for, I knew you would. And I love that you I wake up and that. it's not was, him. It's her. That's having I, the that dream. Was the that was the best part, part. Is that it was her dream? Yeah. One other thing I'll mention before we talk about that later. First episode, Mexico fight scene. Oh, what I that's I was surprised I didn't get a text, and I so wanted. That's when I texted you and I said like, how much have you watched, brother? Because I was like. As soon as he gets to a Cobra Kai fight scene in Mexico set to the Desperado kind of main theme performed by Antonio Banderas. I was with like, an Australian who played Kano in Mortal Kombat. That's that that's, dude. That's Kano, dude. That's Kano. Australian, well, that, mate. Yeah, that's well, fucking that's Kano. just the fucking cherry on yes. top, dude. But no, that you is not, when you I couldn't was, tell him the fake wig. Probably that because is when I was short. just like they make the show for us like they literally just make it for us and then other people happen to like it like a lot of other people i'm trying to that is what i was just 
See, we didn't, you, talk, you we had, didn't talk. As soon for, as the guitar kicked in, I was just like, "Yes, they just get us, man." Oh my god. Well, let's let's power through Top Gun, and then we'll go do a little 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 bit on Cobra Kai. Okay. No, did you know that the the top elite fighter pilots in the Navy train at one school in Miramar, California, Tiger Town? Yeah. People who pass. Tell me school, more. <laughs> people what? who pass this school. It's very very select few. People who pass this go on to be instructors or fly for the Navy for however long their commission lasts. People who go to the school know by a different name. What's the regular name though? I don't know, flight, flight school. <laughs> Graduates of the school come to call it Top Gun. Is this what we're going to do for the whole episode? Um, no, I was going to say, do we get the scroll before or after the, the Fault of Meyer? I can't even really do it, but it's just... We get it before. Dude, if you watch it, the opening of the original is the opening of Maverick. Yes, okay. The well, same that, thing. Let's just get to it right from the tippity top. Here's my thing. I hadn't rewatched this movie in like 10 years. Right. I didn't rewatch it before I saw Maverick. Right. And so rewatching it a few days ago, I, I just... It's fine. Not a lot going on. It's fine. Mm-hmm. And I'm trying to divorce myself from just like the fact that Maverick is one of the best theatrical experiences I've had in my entire life. Just mm-hmm. an absolute knockout of a movie. Mm-hmm. Just pure entertainment on every level. It just fucking works. Yes. And I'm sitting here watching this and yeah, I'm, dude. Here's the biggest offender. Are we, we're just diving straight in. Yeah, let's right? do it. Okay. You know Top Gun. If you haven't, go back under that rock you've been under. Tom Cruise. Yes. You know, he's this is his moment. All right. Yeah. He's had he's had risky business. He's had all the right moves. Mm-hmm. He's making all the right moves. Okay? Right. He gets this movie. This character. In its original incarnation. Mm-hmm. He sucks. I'm sorry. <laughs> and I forgot that the moral of the first one is not learn not him learning to like be a better person or suck less. It's about learning to like no fully lean into your ego and realize that you're you're the best because you are the best. Yeah. And I forgot that that was that was it. I'm like, okay. It's the eight. <laughs> the rah-rah, yay me, baddest dick in the room wins, you know, all of that. So that's that's one element I got going on in the back yeah. in the back of the head here. And I'm like, yeah, it's interesting, you know, how Iceman's portrayed in America. Cause it's more like they come around to a friendship or whatever. And I'm, and I'm re-watching and I'm like, Iceman's such a good guy, dude. Yeah. He's just very by the book. He's, he's, not the, he's not the 80s prick douchebag better than you guy that you think that character is mm-hmm. and I was like why is that how he exists in my memory I don't get it okay whatever and then the movie for me just absolutely grinds to a halt 
because he and Kelly McGillis, in my opinion, have no chemistry. None. Like, it is sub-zero. It is frigid out there. There is no steam to a thing that is shot by Tony Scott like it is the sexiest fucking romance that's ever existed on screen. And it just... It it just killed the whole vibe for me, dude. And I sit there and I go, that's what they fucking masterminded about beyond mastering the way you film like aviation because that's another aspect of this where i'm like that has not aged well dude and when and when maverick exists it's just like it's hard to look back at some of this and it's like it's so disorienting but at its time you realize that like then it was an cutting edge and it yes. looks and that's and great for it for its time the stuff that they are achieving looks great right. right that's undeniable but from an editing standpoint right i don't think the techniques were there to capture these long you know to give you a sense of spatial geography right the way that maverick is able to mm-hmm. okay but yeah, their their chemistry is the biggest issue for me. But anyways, that's beyond Maverick masterminding that. It just nails the romance, dude. And I don't know if that's a product of just like they're older. It's more of a sweet, like lovely romance and everything. But he and Jennifer Connelly, I felt like he had the most chemistry he's had with a female co-star since. Well, he and Emily Blunt have a lot in like Edge of Tomorrow. But and... That's a more physical thing. Because a little bit, both a little bit in uh, Rebecca Ferguson and the Mission Impossible ones. The, yeah, uh, five specifically, five and six. But yeah, it just like that thing doesn't try too hard. It's like nope, perfect. I love that they have like the play on the sex scene. That is like nope, they're just gonna lay in bed and talk and have a conversation instead. Like everything they do with the the romance in Maverick works, and they don't make it the be-all, end-all of the movie. Mm-hmm. But I forgot how much of this, of Top Gun, OG, is him and Kelly McGillis, and I'm sitting there going, I don't I don't get why these people are trying to get together. I don't understand what she does. Like... You don't understand what she does. I mean, I understand it as the movie explains it, but I think... It, so she's a civilian defense contractor. Yeah, explain it to me. Okay, go ahead. She Please is someone do. hired by the government to make sure that the military is operating the way it should be. It's because you can't you can't pay somebody in the Navy to tell you whether the Navy's doing good or not. It's a biased opinion. So if you hire a defense contractor from a private company, have them come in and do an assessment of what's going on, because she care, just cares about the data. The only reason why she's even interested in him to me at the beginning is this guy has done an inverted G pole with the MIG. He's the only pilot to ever do it. And they have no data on that airplane. The big thing in Maverick is that like, Oh, you guys are kind of outnumbered. Like we don't have the best planes. Now other countries do this one is, Hey, the F 14s, the F 15s, they're badass. We're going to teach you how to fly them like no one else. So when he gets in there, you forget he ain't top dog. Our boy from uh, what's his base? Christine. Yeah. What is his name? He's a filmmaker now. Not uh, what? I have repeatedly told you that my phone is dead, sir. Uh, but we talked Dennis about Dennis something. No, that's his character name. His name is Dennis. Oh my god. Something to do with I don't know. 
Anyway, but he. This is Cooper, terrible. Cooper. Look up the actor's I'll name. I'll look up the. Um, I'll look up the actor's name because he is a director in his own right, as you mentioned. But yeah, he he loses it, dude, in the skies. He just like kind of can't keep his shit together. Right. Which again was kind of baffling to me because I'm just like, he's supposed to be like Stockwell, the, John Stockwell, John Stockwell, yeah, Dean Cougar. Stockwell's son, maybe. That sounds right. Cougar, not Cooper. I don't know why I said Cooper. Yeah, yeah. Well, they're you know they're out on reconnaissance. They can't obviously. They're not at war, so they can't shoot. They have to be fired upon first before they can shoot back. Yes. And Cougar, you know, gets locked on by a MIG, and at any point, this MIG could have been like, "You're dead." And he knows it. And that's what causes him to lose his edge. Yeah. Maverick, on the other hand, what does Maverick do? Oh, I'm going to fly inverted on top of you and take a picture of you. And, you know. Correction. Goose takes Goose a picture. Goose is going to take a yeah. picture. Yes. Um, Which is, this is where we get our double dose of ER. Because yeah. we did this because, you know, good old Michael Ironside. Yes. Wild Willie. But we also do have the added benefit of Dr. Dr. Mark Green, Anthony Edwards. And the iconic role of Goose. Goose, yep. What is Goose's first name? I was hoping you could tell me. Nick Bradshaw. Nick Goose Bradshaw. That's why we don't. Yeah, that's yeah. why nobody remembers it. No one remembers Pete Mitchell until they said they it. Do in, they, they do now. They do now, but no one it's refers Pete. to him as Pete. Because it's, in General Top Connolly calls him Pete. In Top Gun, <laughs> if you do not look on the side of his plane that says Mav, uh, Pete Maverick Mitchell, you would never know his name is Pete. Yeah. At least I, I've never heard of him. anyone mentioned calling him Pete. Everyone just calls him by his call sign. Yes. And that's it. Okay. So. And he, again, he ain't number one. There's a guy that washes out and good old Strickland from, uh, I can't remember that actor's name either. Tolkien. Like, James Tolkien. Right. He's like, all right, well, you know what? Cougar was number one. Now you guys are number one. You're going to Top Gun. Yeah. Make us proud. You know? And they flat out tell him, you Even should know you're not. in big trouble right now. You're in big trouble. And under you, any other circumstances, I wouldn't be sending you. Right. But yeah. you should have you should have just brought that multi-million dollar airplane back on this aircraft carrier and we'd have dealt with it. But yeah. what's Maverick about? Maverick's about getting everybody home safe. You know? Doing the right thing. Making sure that the, you don't leave anybody behind out there. To be fair, you know, he was headed back. He only kind of last minute decides to go back and help his buddy and try and talk him through it well yeah because they don't but he know, ultimately he, does decide to do the right thing yeah i agree um okay so yeah yeah they get sent down to miramar mm-hmm. and again she again they meet in a weird meet cute where he does a is it the isley brothers isley brothers are you lost that love of we, we're so like yeah. not confident on anything today. yeah i don't know anyway it's, they have the whole but and that's that i don't know that's it's a weird thing because like not knowing anything about the Navy in the 80s, only having dad's perspective of like the Air Force from the 80s. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's anywhere near an accurate representation of what's what. Because you and I have been into the you know, the clubs on base in terms of just like going in there. Yes, there's an NCO club mm-hmm. and then there's an officer's club. I don't know if where we're going, where everybody, there's nobody fatigues are on their dress whites. Like they're going to a party or something. Yeah. You know? And it's weird that like all the guys in the Navy, like their dress uniforms look like they should be like working on a mega yacht. You know what I mean? Like anytime yes. I watch below deck and they're all like, getting your whites. I'm like, Oh, top gun. Because it's like, they look, I mean, that's just how they look. They look like they're part of the Navy. They look like they're part of a fleet, which is fine. So, you know, they meet beforehand. He doesn't know who she is. 
And then the next day at school, quote unquote, fighter school, fighter pilot school, she shows up. She's like, I work for the DOD, you know, blah, blah, blah. I'm here to assess you and see how you're doing because, you know, and I got the feel the next time working around, it's like, yes, they all work together. And like Ironside and Tom Skerritt, they respect her, but they also kind of look at her as like, what do we need this broad here for? We could tell them how good they're doing. Mm -hmm. But again, the Navy wants, because if you, I don't know if that's a big deal at the time, but it feels like there was like a transition and we were possibly wondering, should we really be investing all this money in the Navy having a fighter squadron unit, part of it, whatever, because we have an air force. Why don't we just put the air force on the aircraft carriers? And that's that. Right. (laughs) As opposed to let's have all these dudes in the Navy who are on the ship and then all these dudes in the Navy who are on the ship, but they just fly the planes. It's the same argument when people talk about something military grade. I'm like, oh, so you mean it's the cheapest thing possible <laughs> that the military would pay for? Maybe not the best, but definitely the cheapest. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. You know? So, again, when you ask what she does, she's just there to get the data. And maybe we should be applauding her because, you know, she'll sleep with her with the guy if she's got to get the info. I don't know. Maybe that's the <laughs> logic of it. I don't know. She gets the job done. I don't know what you want to say about her. She, but you're right. There's not a, I just don't, I don't buy it at any moment that like either one of them is truly into the other or would be like sacrificing their career right. to, to like go forth with this like life changing yeah. romance. And again, the fact that the movie ultimately ends on like, oh, well, just one more thing. We know, we know you're so curious how this is going to wrap up. And I'm just like, no, he saves the day. That's that. Yeah. As opposed to, again, the end of Maverick when she shows up with that fucking Porsche and I'm just like, oh my God. <laughs> yeah, go guys, go, go yeah. out on, go out to sea together. If again. anything, that's what fun. I appreciate about this movie more. Having watched it again before I watched Maverick was that like, they let you know early on that like mm, Admiral's daughter, Penny, she was probably like the one, so to speak. He had carnal knowledge of her. He did a flyby over her. Like, you know, he was there. I look at it as like Penny was the first girl that he ever had sex with and she moved for whatever reason. He never got over her. And that's why he's just out there in his feelings about whether or not he should hook up with Kelly McGillis again at all. Because like, well, that was an admiral's daughter and she moved and this lady's just here because she's a defense contractor and that could jeopardize my career if I'm, if I'm sleeping with an instructor what am I going to do? But I feel like part of the whole Penny backstory is them trying to like brand him as like, oh, he's not only a wild man in the skies, he's a wild man in the streets as well. And I just He'll like, go into a women's bathroom if he has to. Yeah, that has not <laughs> aged well. No. She's definitely like, don't bother me. We need to like, you know, have boundaries here. And he's just like, I'm going to keep talking your ear off until you yeah. agree to see me. Because um, in the 80s, no meant yes. Apparently, that's the logic in most of the '80s movies yeah. that we see. Um. Anyways, and the okay. So also, the constant tease of "Take My Breath Away." Oh, I yeah. forgot how many times it kicks in right. before you finally actually get it, and I'm like, I kind of miss this, dude. Like, when's the last time you saw a movie where they were just like, "Oh, this theme is such a banger!" Like, we're just gonna. She's gonna slowly dole it out. We're just gonna keep keep teasing you, and then all of a sudden, give you everything. Hit. Yeah, um, I cannot remember the last like modern movie that's happened. No, me neither. Um, or I mean, 
we were singing a little bit earlier, but obviously the favorite soundtrack choice all these years later, hanging with the boys. Dude. Yeah, of course. Like that, that, who'd have thunk that that would be the one that has, has kind of stuck with us. Obviously dad loves danger zone. I mean, what are you going to yeah. do? But, uh, let's talk about that volleyball sequence. Yeah. So <laughs> it's weird because most of the movie leading up to this, really the only drama is with who's going to be the best. There is yeah. a backstory about how Maverick's dad disobeyed orders, might have gotten himself it's killed. It's kind of lingering in the background that right. like these documents are classified. He's never gotten the full story right. on it. So, yeah, that's kind of hanging there. But, again, this this plot is very bare bones uh, yeah. in retrospect, as is Maverick. But there's a sim- there's a beauty in the, in the simplicity, simplicity yes, of, of Maverick. Whereas this one, I was kind of like, can we... We move things along, like right. Come on, guys. Yeah, I don't know. And I do like that we get a. And I'm normally not that guy. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like the the pacing normally doesn't bother me like that. But I was just kind of like, there's not a lot here. Right. There's, there's not a lot here. Maybe maybe I want to go home and spend some time with Goose and Meg Ryan. They seem yeah. like fun. Yeah, dude. They seem like the best. Maybe uh, let's hang out with them for a little bit more. So that I'm wondering why Meg Ryan could not have shown back up in Maverick, and they had to be like, oh, she died already. It's like no. Come on, man. You're telling me she's... Somebody... What's I, she doing? Something I was listening to had, like, a good justification of it, that it was, like, if she's... Um, if she's there, it also further complicates the thing of, like, okay, did she know about him pulling his papers and stuff? Like, did she ask him to do that? I thought we we found out that she did ask him to help because she yes, wanted... Yeah, that's what I'm saying. That's the storyline they write into it. So if you have her there, then you need scenes of, like... Miles Teller and Meg Ryan, and I'm like, that's not that movie. That is Tom Cruise's movie. That's why it is like, you know, very, very surface level. I feel like if you, yeah, if you bring her in, it just, it adds, you need like two or three scenes to justify her being in there. Um, and it would feel weird if she just pops up as a little cameo, like, right for a second at the end after they get back from the mission or something. It's like, oh, hey, I'm here. Like, yeah. That would feel weird. Because I definitely so feel like I, she has not played a wild, crazy woman like that at any other point in her career. Like, that's the wife that, like, I feel like everybody wants to have in, the, in like, the service. Yeah. She's totally 100% down for her man, but she's not afraid to, like, hang out, have a few drinks at the bar, just do whatever. But, you know, and then I forget this scene. What up like, with her husband playing the same Verse song of yeah, it's not even the whole song. It's just that's what kills me about it. Um, say I I do remember watching Maverick. I'm like, thank God he learned like another verse or something. Yes, (laughs) but I was just like, yeah, they just go into this loop like, Mm -hmm. and then Tom Cruise has to come up and do it. Ah, God, have you seen the? Did you watch Val? The documentary? No, I need to. You need to because there's some behind the scenes footage of of Top Gun and specifically like them like dancing mm-hmm. behind the scenes at just like a you know crew party or something uh-huh. and Tom Cruise just looks like the most awkward fucking person on the planet it's is it because so he's funny. two feet short than everybody else yeah yeah it was very awkward mm-hmm. you should watch it though um, I think that might have that was the joke I was making earlier when you were like I don't get it between two I was going to say like let's get Kelly McGillis is here and he's here <laughs> But you can't see it on a podcast that one hand's higher than the other. Yeah. But yeah, that's, I don't know. And it's because like, 
Give me, tell me another movie Kelly McGillis was in. Witnesses are other big thing, right? Is it? Is that right? That sounds right. But that's not as big as Top Gun. You have the phone. Right. But that's not as big as Top Gun. It was a pretty, I think it, Witness was up for like best picture, was it not? Am I crazy here? Maybe. Peter Weir, right? You're right. You know what? It could be. Let me look and see what else she's done. Because I just, you know, I don't, I don't remember her other than this. It's just kind of no, like. No, there's. I'm trying. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Tell me another one. Tell me another. Is big that one. her in Witness? Am I crazy? Um. When would Wit- when did Witness come out? Um, it's like eighty. Yeah, eighty-five. A Witness is before Top Gun. Okay. Is that her though? Yeah, Rachel Lapp. Mm-hmm. It is Kelly McGillis. Yeah. So we got Witness, Top Gun. Um, the accused. Okay, but seriously, real quick though, was Witness nominated for Best Picture? Am I crazy? It might have been. Let me see. Just check that shit out for me. Including Best Picture, Best Actor for Four, Best Original Screenplay, and Best Film Editing. Dude, yeah, no, Witness, huge movie. That's what I'm saying. She's, she's getting this off of Witness. Gotcha. For sure. Yeah. And I'm just, I'm just looking, I mean, you know, I'm sure, yeah, okay. Cameo archive footage for, for Maverick, okay. Yeah, I uh, just, you know, a lot of stuff that I can't really, oh, okay, the innkeepers, all right. And again, I, I don't think it's a, a case of like her being bad in this movie or Tom Cruise being bad. I just, it's a chemistry thing, dude, and they just don't yeah. have any to me. And, you know, I don't know, again, maybe it's like. The studio liked her. Thinks she's going to be bankable. She'd be good as the female. There's also, there is an age difference, right? And it's kind of built into the characters, but I feel like it's also not explored maybe as much as it should be. But again, I don't want to spend more time with them. Yeah. I mean, that so makes sense. I, I don't know, man. That was my biggest barrier to entry going back to this. Is just like, I forgot how much it focuses on the love story aspect of things. Ah, uh, you're right. Yeah. What? Witness and Top Gun are both Paramount Pictures, so it probably was a studio yeah, thing. Did, yeah, bro. Yeah, this was still in the era where it was like we like that person. They got, they got two projects in the pipeline. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, yeah, like, like you said, the ultimate the ultimate back and forth of it is the idea that you know the only drama for most of the movie is like him competing with himself against these other people and like the legend and or what is the legend of his father, you know. And unfortunately, it takes a terrible accident for him to come to terms with, like, everything, you know. We all know what happens. I don't want to talk about it. It's tragic. Both of these properties. Or we're just not going to talk about it. Yes, Noah. Both of these property, Anthony Edwards meets his untimely demise, okay? It is a truly upsetting sequence. Yes. In the movie. And I forgot how much it, yeah, just the thud that he hits the top of the canopy with is, like, Oof, it's one of those, like, yeah. oh, shit. Um, does he overplay it a little bit in the water? I think you Do hear you that. Think it's oh, a, God, Goose. Oh. I think you hear that one too many times. I feel like it's repeated audio. It's not. Right. The, yeah. I'm saying, but, like, does it feel like he doesn't have the reins on all of his uh, his modes yet? No. You yeah. know what I'm saying? He's feeling it out. When is Born on the Fourth of July? I believe that is a little bit later, like early 90s. I feel like has to be 88, 89. Okay. Tell me I'm right. 
Let's see. Is it the same year as Wall Street? Is it one of those weird things where he like dropped you know, two in one year? It might be. Let me hang on. I mean, Oliver yeah, of course. Stone. Tom Tom Cruise doesn't have a long IMDb list to get to. Or we're looking at Oliver Stone. Oh, what are we looking at Oliver Stone for? I want to know what year Born on the Fourth of July came out. Okay, well, hang on. That would be quicker than scrolling through all the Tom Cruise stuff. Um. 90, 89. 89. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I feel like that is when he has firmly, he's been through the gauntlet of leading Mandom um, and Rain Man's right around then as well. Rain Man Rain and Man. Cocktail are both in 88. Yeah. One of the four. Two in a year? That's what I'm saying. I feel, I feel like, like if he dropped just... Maverick and then like November, it's like, oh, guess what? Mission Impossible's already. He does have that. Mission Impossible comes out the same year as something else, I feel like. Am I crazy? Never mind. We don't have to play this game. Uh, well, Mission Impossible is by itself in 96. I'm just talking about, like, now. If he, like, if he did it now, you would oh, be... Oh, for sure. Yeah. You'd be amazed that it was like, you know, oh, my God. No way. You're kidding me. Two in the same year? Well, well Color of Money is this year is 86 as well. I don't know if people remember that one as well. It's maybe more of a Paul Newman thing, but like... I mean, it is more of a Paul Newman thing, but it's yeah. definitely him at least. Uh, yeah, I almost feel like he... Goddamn. The Outsiders, God. Risky Business, and All the Right Moves in 1983. This kid was working, man. Yeah, man. He's a real Maypother, if you, if you, <laughs> if you, go, if you ask me. I mean... Oh, he produced Without Limits. I was going to say, he was in Without Limits, but he just produced it. Produced a lot of stuff. Yeah. Cruise Wagner Productions, bro. Not anymore. I wonder, that was my no, biggest like question. Cruise McQuarrie. That was the biggest question I had when we walked out of Top Gun. I was like, I wonder if Paula Wagner just like, God damn it. <laughs> She's looking at all that money she could have yeah. had her hands on. Not that she needs it. Dude, but, I mean, you know. if he had, if they had just like, you know, forced the post-production on it, he could have dropped Dead Reckoning this year as well and had the two highest grossing movies of the year. Yeah. If he wanted to. Mm hmm. It could still happen. I just want to put that out there. Uh, there's not much to see at the movies right now. If Dead Reckoning just like showed up next Friday, mm -hmm. uh, I'd be very happy. Yeah. Um, and everybody else would too. Just keep that in mind, Tom, because I know you're listening. We appreciate Big you, fan Tom. of the, uh, the RQV, as yeah. I've been told. Sorry, I should talk to your performance in this one. But you're good in Color of Money. I feel like you spent all your energy uh, going toe-to-toe -to -toe with Newman and trying not to embarrass yourself that you forgot that you were supposed to be leading a movie. Uh, at the I time. guess Tom Scared's not a big enough draw for him to be like, I put my A-game on. Not even when you deal with him and Michael Ironside. Dude. Scared is so rock solid. This movie's filled with like just yes. great rock solid character actors. We haven't really talked about Ironside as Jester. Because he doesn't really have that much to do, but you know, he's Michael Ironside. Yeah. Great voice, James you Tolkien. Know great voice, Tom Skerritt. Great voice. Yeah, dudes who just know how to wear great, uniforms. Just great character like, actors in general. I mean, we did talk about Val. We got Anthony Edwards, and I feel like. And again, I again, I don't know. I don't know if it's the I love the eightiesification of some of this stuff, where it's like you remember the overall tone of it more than the actual like how the movie plays out. Mm -hmm. But again, in my head, Iceman's like the, you know, 
you're dangerous. The douchey, better than you know, holier than thou. Like, it's oh, because... I'm, the, I'm the best. You don't do things the right way, and it's not that at all. It's the whole like you, you're unsafe. You're too much of a wild man. Right. Um, I think it's because he has the same haircut as he does in another movie in the '80s, where he probably is the prick, and we're conflating <laughs> the two. You know what I mean? Maybe. It's got to be it. Yeah, but it's like it's an interesting rivalry, like I'm saying, where it's like it's they come around to each other, right? Well, and also you've got we we talked about it. There, people know, even though they don't know him as Maverick, they know who his dad was. They don't really play it up, and they don't talk about it that much. But that is something that's probably kept him why he was number two behind Cougar. They know who his dad is. The story on his dad is that like he fucked up and people died. And it's only after Goose dies that he goes to, I don't remember Tom Skerritt's call sign, but he goes to Tom Skerritt. He's like, oh yeah, I knew your old man. I flew with him. Nobody will tell you this, but, and it's crazy because I hate doing this to myself. I do it all the time, but anything after the, anything before the original Mission Impossible, I constantly look for the apple crate just mm-hmm. to see. And it's so like, especially the scene where he, Tom Skerritt comes to the door and I'm like, there's a little bit where you realize, oh, he is way taller than Tom Cruise. But the way that Tony which Scott is, cuts it, it's just like... Which it's, is ironic because fighter pilots, famously short. Yes, they gotta be. Like, it he's works the only for one. the yes, He's the only one that's like... But yet, because you works. want him to be the hero, he needs to be he, the same height or taller than right. everybody. Exactly. But yeah, it's like... But it's the one role that he's actually perfect for. Yeah. Because he's a little guy. Yeah. He's a little guy. Which is why, you know, he's got his license. He can actually... Well, he actually fucking flew the planes for Maverick, you know? And... But, but you do, again, you find out and you don't, I mean, you know. You've seen the shit for Dead Reckoning where he's like standing up on a fucking crop duster. Nope. <laughs> Goddamn. He's like, you know, just holding on to the, the wings and shit. It's a wonder when you hear these stories like, yeah, he broke something. Really? Tom Cruise broke something. <laughs> That's a shocker. You know? You would expect it to be like all day, every day. And like, this is, I mean, this is in the era well before that that transition to like I have to be stuntman right I I must do all of the things which is why you only ever see like the the visors of the guys flying the MiGs you never see their eyes you never see what they're looking at and that's the other thing too is like yeah that's the geopolitics of this and Maverick which again in this one you kind of also don't think about it and that's the kind of like I you know that's what works so easily about Maverick. It's just like, well, it's not about that. It's the whole conceit of the movie in general being about training. The fact that neither one of these movies have been centered around, like, they're not, like, fighter pilots in a war. There's not, like, right. constant death around every this corner. It's Pearl like, Harbor. So how do we wring dramatic tension out of training sequences and, like, internal doubt about your abilities and, like, mm-hmm. stuff like that? And I feel like Maverick just, it has the benefit of being not just a referendum on like the Top Gun success in the first place, but also it it's about bit... Tom Cruise as much as it is about like it's about his career as much as it yeah. is about the fictional Pete Mitchell. It's you an almost thirty. It it has the benefit of close to thirty years of people doing what we're doing right now picking it apart and saying, yeah, but what about this? What about that? I don't feel like Maverick leans into the whole, like, well, we got to fix everything so everyone can like it. I feel like it takes broad strokes to say, yeah, we get it. When this one was made, we were still during the cold war. Everybody making movies in the eighties was out to make that fucking money. This guy might not been the best dude, but we're going to definitely make it 
and kind of not retcon it, but we will showcase to you in this what that means and how to how to fix it. It's what we've been asking for for the last several years, which is when you're going to do this, please do the Cobra Kai approach, which is right. take it seriously, right. but not too seriously. Be aware of the things that are cheesy or maybe haven't aged well or right. things that you need to work around. But always remember that like there are people who this is like a huge fucking deal for. Right. So take it seriously. Because that's the best place to start from. And that's why I think you've seen so much reverence for a movie that like, again, we go back and watch it and I'm like, yeah, it's kind of okay. It's a totally like fine Tom Cruise performance. I love seeing young Anthony Edwards. I love like all the supporting actors. Um, the volleyball. Se- I mean, there are those cheesy factors to it that, and the, you know, the overblown sex scene with, the crazy licking, all of that stuff. It's all there. It's fun to poke fun at. But, yeah, it's just, it's a fun thing. But then you sit and watch Maverick, and, like, all of a sudden it reframes it in your brain, as you're like, was Top Gun, like, the definitive movie of our time? You know what I mean? Right. And it's like, the fact that it's able to trick you into that is kind of the magic trick of that movie. Um, But, yeah, I think it's unequivocally one of the best sequels ever made in terms of improvement on the original. Right. Um, you and Which I, you... out of the gate, were like, the only thing I can compare it to is Blade Runner 2049, where it's a movie I saw and I was like, I think that's better than the original. Like, yeah. right off the bat, where I was like, I enjoyed that more as a film right. than the original. Well, you talk about this being like, when you're doing something to something and like making sure you, you take good care of it because it is someone's life. Do you want to know, give me, Give me the percentage. You're not going to know the original. What percentage of people joining, recruiting the, into the Navy? What did that go up after Top Gun? 110. 500% <laughs> increase okay. in recruitment after 1986 is one of now, the biggest how, recruitment tools. How? What's the percentage of those people who washed out because they realized, oh, I can't. We can't all be pilots. I, I came here that. to be a pilot. I just know that they were apparently the Navy. You got reported. me cleaning toilets. You got me swabbing a deck. Yeah. I'm here to fly planes. Yeah. You got me being a cook on yeah. the aircraft carrier. Yeah. So 17% were left yes. of that 500. And yeah. that's. But think about it. I'm just fucking. Yeah. What other. Give me another <laughs> military based film in the 80s that has a positive quote-unquote positive effect on... I mean, they don't exist because inherently most of the... I mean, most of the time, if you're making a war film, it's inherently an anti-war film. Right. There's always going to be, yeah, I suppose a certain portion of the population who watches stuff like that and is inspired by the camaraderie of it and the brotherhood and all of that, who, you know, is able to look past the more like, hey, like this, you know war as hell this is not a good idea like right. it's not a good time for anybody side of most of those movies yeah so i think you're always gonna have a portion that does look at those movies like that but this one uniquely is like like we said it's all about training and camaraderie and it again the it's why it does i mean you can say it cynically or whatever but it it was the perfect recruitment tool because it didn't frame it didn't drift into propaganda in the traditional sense where it's like we're making this about Russia right, right. now. Like you, th- these guys are the enemies and we want to rile you up to like 
that you got to go fight these guys. Yeah, it's not Red Dawn. It's it's not leaning into that. Yeah. And so I get why some people look at it very cynically and are like, that's what's kind of the most gross or upsetting thing about this as a movie or like think that it's too jingoistic or this or that. I understand where those arguments come from. I don't agree with any of them. Right. But I see how it's very easy to go like, but isn't that even more sinister just making them these nameless faces? We're just training people to like think about it as a video game. And I'm kind of, I'm kind of inclined to go like, I'm sorry, but that's been happening in war in movies in general, but specifically war movies since we could, film movies like did you see birth of a nation i'm just saying like stuff where it's like there is no depth to the other side right or the villain and to the point where it's like when somebody like eastwood does letters from me with jima like that at the time was like you oh you can do that yeah you can just flip the perspective and the idea of presenting like a war film that was not strictly rah-rah america Mm -hmm. like and showing a different perspective or showing the like well the ra- well roundedness of it if you will was kind of like it was not like shocking or controversial at the time but i do remember people being kind of baffled by like really like that's what he's doing yeah and then even more surprised when it's like yeah that's actually the the way better movie of the two flags of our fathers is kind of just okay and iwo jima is much much better yeah, I mean, um, and that's, I mean, I think that maybe not necessarily with him, but that does carry across. And I feel, when, when did those come out? I'm not 100%. That's like 2005, 2006-ish, somewhere in there. Oh, okay. And Rid, Ridley does Black Hawk Down, right? Tony yes. did this, yeah. What was I going to say? You have a movie like Black Hawk Down to where that is like an isolated incident. We were not at war, quote unquote, but it shows you, to me, shows the humanity on the side of it of like why you could argue that like, you look at men and you're like, why do you do this? Why is right. this what you do? And it's like, I don't do it for money. I don't do it because I want to kill other humans. I do it because it was a call as a service to the place that I live. But more ultimately, I do it for the person next to me, mm-hmm. the person that I've trained with, the person that I've come up with, the person that I love like another extension of my own family. I do it for them. And I don't think that that, gets tapped into this much in Top Gun. There are a few scenes where Goose is like, hey man, it ain't just you up there. I'm behind you. I got your back. But if you keep fucking up like this, I'll, I gotta go be a delivery truck driver. I'm gonna, maybe I can get a job doing this. Okay. Goose this- has that family element side of it and tries to reel him into like, hey, you know, don't don't forget me back here. And ultimately he does because, you know, Again, it I, I, I remember it as like he intentionally moved when he shouldn't have moved and got into the jet wash. Not that because Iceman couldn't do it and Ice moved, that Maverick was so close that like it was a freak accident with jet wash. It was just, you know, I thought it was like, man, he made a mistake a la his dad made a mistake. Right. But again, we find out that no, his dad actually is a hero. His dad stayed in the fight when he didn't have to. And saved like three or four planes or something. Exactly. Like and went down and no one really knows what happened to him. So Top Gun 3, his dad comes back. <laughs> oh, Yeah. A sadistic warlord for another third world country. Turns out that's his dad. He's mad at the U.S. because he thought he forgot him, you know, years later. 
all of a sudden they get super political. Yes, exactly. <laughs> the reckoning. Yeah. yeah. And his father. Yeah, Top Gun 3 dead the, reckoning. Yeah. They're like, Tom, you're his already. His father already is Warner Herzog. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, now you just turned everything around. <laughs> now you just sold me. Um, yeah. So I think we nailed it. <laughs> if you ask me. Best episode about Top Gun ever. Uh, can I ask you a question? Yeah. Uh, you know, hour and 20 minutes into this conversation. Yeah. I am haunted by what the notion that somewhere there's love and flames. <laughs> See, that's the next tattoo there because I want to get tattooed on me. Haunted by a notion somewhere there's love and flames. What? <laughs> Thank you for sharing. You're welcome. What does Goose do? Like, what does the co-pilot do? And more importantly, why do some people have buddies in there and some people don't? Like in Maverick, for instance, sometimes you're just flying solo, uh-huh. but some people have partners. I don't get it. If you have friends that are in the military and have flown planes, I should probably ask them because you're looking at me very blankly right now. Well, in my you, in my experience, is it, the just, guy, is it just navigation? The guy in the back, he's supposed to shoot the tow gun that you hit the AT-AT walker with and then you right. loop around. That's what to he does. It. Right, to trip it up. Again, but if you're flying an F-16, that... <laughs> I don't know. I don't. I'm assuming. I don't know where the tow cables come from. Exactly. So that's where I'm a little lost. Right. Yeah. I'm like, okay, is there a button? Do we press chaff? I don't know what, what it is. That's the, you know. I, I, I don't know. I do know. And and strangely, like, I don't know. I would assume navigation. I would assume that, like, if you're flying, you're looking heads up and you're all about guns. But that guy is basically like, like my friend Danny did. He was a chopper gunner. But if they weren't doing that, he was in flight. If he wasn't wheeled out on the gun, he was in flight, making sure all systems were functioning like they needed to be. And if they weren't, putting them on backup so they could maintain that. I know he was originally a crew chief, so he worked on planes. Then he cross-trained into being in a, in a, in a, into a chopper gunner. So I would imagine that they're running radar because you constantly, goose is constantly getting like, all right, we got to get in there. He's above us. He's here. He's there because yes, they are looking around, but their field of vision is limited. Whereas like in the back you've got, but I don't know if, are they, I don't know. Are they sitting back to back or they're sitting both straight forward, right? They're both looking forward. Yes. Right. So yeah, I would assume it's aviation air, not just maintaining all systems and like, you know, keeping eyes on levels that isn't anything but the stick and the gun. But I also don't know, like, okay, you're in the back, your pilot buys it. Like, do you have any control of the plane? You're just floating up there with like, shit, my guy's dead. How am I going to navigate my way home? Right. You know, like there's that moment in Maverick when, uh, spoiler alert, but the third act when him and Miles Teller finally end up in a plane together. Yeah. And he's try he's telling him like, yeah, do blah, blah, blah. And he's like, oh, you know, the stuff's kind of old, but I don't, you know, I don't know. And he's like, well, I don't, your dad or your dad always handled that. Like, I don't know how to <laughs> yeah. do that. And I'm like. Maverick, you've been flying for how many years? Like the idea that you would be in a plane and be like, but I I can't help you here. You're going to have to figure this shit out yourself. <laughs> I was just like, 
But wouldn't you? I I don't get how it's like planes the idea, work, dude. It's like it the is idea a mystery you, to me. The yeah. magic of flight. I tell you what. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Thanks, Orville. <laughs> All right, anyway, it's the idea that like Tom Berenger and Billy Zane are in the jungle, and neither one of them know how far to shoot because you have a sniper and a spotter. So they're both like, I don't know. How far away is he? I don't know. <laughs> I usually have a guy for that. You know what I mean? That's the same logic here. It's well, like, I usually what, have a guy for that. That's what and, killed me. Like in Jarhead, for instance, they have the scene where it's like, shooter, spotter, shooter, spotter. And I'm like, dude, if you're Peter Sarsgaard, you're going to be so fucking pissed. And it's like, is that just your life for the rest of your career in the military? It's like, yeah, you're the guy who's like, Two more clicks. Yeah, uh, the wind's breaking this way, but the other guy is always taking the shot. Like, is well, that just if, you're if locked you pay, into that if you forever? Pay, if you pay attention, I believe he fucks himself over because he says, "How far is that over there?" And Sarsgaard said three football fields. Good, because Jamie Fox tells him, "Like, don't use your dicks. They're too small to measure with. Think this." And he says, "Oh, that's two hundred yards away. It's about two football fields." So he dug his own grave with that. He should just <laughs> shut the fuck up, and they might have made him a a, a, a shooter. But yeah, essentially, that's what that's what. I mean, bottom line is you are infantry. When you get down to like your job, that's for them to decide. You're getting paid as this, and it doesn't matter. But yeah, you know, again, it would have been what would have been great would have been have, you know, crews wounded, and have to like help Miles Teller become the better pilot and like be even better than his dad, and like you know, I got to figure this area out. Yeah. What what would what is perfect like it was? It shouldn't have been the other way around. Well, yeah, because it's Tom Cruise. It's called Top Gun Maverick, not Top Gun Rooster, Gavin. Okay. Okay. It's not about. It's a, there's a. I'm sorry. Okay, because we're never gonna do like a full on Maverick review at this point. No, so we talked about what, it way too much. Yeah, exactly. But no, there's the the whole scene where he comes in the beautiful scene with Iceman, with the computer conversation, all of that shit. Mm-hmm. That whole scene. It's him basically, it's Tom Cruise coming to Val Kilmer going, Val, I fucked up. I spent all these years being Tom Cruise. I forgot how to be Tom Cruise. No, I forgot. Like, I didn't take the time to train anybody else to take on my legacy. To be the next Tom Cruise. There are no Tom Cruises left. We are a dying breed. Uh, And so, once again... Like much like the theme of the original Top Gun, it's him having to relearn. Wait, I am the most badass dude. I am the only one who can do this. That's why he doesn't die in the finale. That's why he's still at the controls, even when it's you. It's the same. It's the same principle and the same ego, if you will, that causes stuff where it's like, oh yeah, Jeremy Renner, you want to come play? You want to come play in Ghost Pro? Yeah. Yeah, you can be the new you can be the new Ethan Hunt. Come over here. I got something to show you. <gasps> Just fucking kidding. Just get over there. You're Shut gonna up be, and do your lines. You're gonna be in a fucking courtroom for the next movie. You know what? Alright, that's your job now. You're a corporate fucking stooge. No action sequences for you, no nothing. My franchise. Don't ever fucking forget it. <laughs> like, that's literally the same thing. He he was like, uh, maybe I should maybe I should build a legacy. For Mission Impossible. Somebody else I could hand it off to. We know whenever these stunts get to be too much. And then he literally in the midst of making four is like, you know what? You know what would be really cool though? Is if I climb the Burj Khalifa. Because I'm fucking Tom Cruise. Okay? <laughs> and so he does it. 
and Jeremy Renner's just there like, I thought, uh, <laughs> I, I, I thought I was taking over. What, what happened? Go talk what to happened? Matt Damon. Maybe he's got scraps left <laughs> yeah, for you. Yeah, maybe he's got scraps for you. Here, Ed Norton needs somebody to work with. <laughs> Speaking of Ed Norton, have you watched any of Hulk? Any of Hulk? She-Hulk. Yes. My favorite was when he was like, oh, yeah, me and so-and-so, we got over it. He wrote me a letter. It was great. I mean, back then, was so long ago, I was complete, literally a different person. Because <laughs> all the shit with, with... I don't even with, know if I caught that joke, but... Yeah, he tells her, like, oh, yeah, me and whatever uh, whatever Tim Ross character... I'm one episode is. behind, but... He, he's, well, maybe... But I think I've already gotten to where you... I think yeah. the new one came out, but it's basically... She's like, hey, I got to do this, and he's like... No, it's fine. We he sent me a nice letter. We've come to peace with everything. And besides, that was so long ago. I was literally a different person back then. I was like, what fucking shade, man? Yeah. He was literally Edward Norton back then. Okay, I got you. Um, but yeah, dude. Anyways, he has to. I mean, he has to be at the center of the frame. Is all I'm saying. Yeah. That's why now, like, Mission Impossible will end when Ethan Hunt dies. There will not be. A continuation you right know what i'm saying and as much as people are already obviously like all right so top gun 3 is like a given right like no don't we, do it they really shouldn't i no. don't want them to do it i re- i think it's a terrible idea and people have been like but you could do like you could do rooster and hangman together and i'm like that i could be interested in yeah a top gun spinoff but also i don't know if i don't know if it works without tom cruise just don't know i don't but i don't think there's a further story to be made when again i think it is like again i think that movie is a great crowd pleaser super entertaining and everything the thing that like makes it transcendent and makes it like just a great fucking movie is the meta read of it being a tom cruise retrospective on his entire career and where he's at now that's that's here's what i'm wondering this is the only thing i'm questioning when's it supposed to come out 2019, right? Oh, and there, I mean, we've right, talked about right. that too. But no, 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 here's the thing. We have talked about it. There had not, to me, there had not been enough people who had tried to do this before this to where their failures to do what this movie does ultimately allows it to succeed as it did. Because you got to think about it. I don't think we'd appreciate it if it came out before several like lego sequels whatever ghostbusters after right you have to go through that cringe period of like uh but it could be this it could be that like even like with ghostbusters you had one before that that was trying to make something that people just for whatever reason were like god no you Mm -hmm. know which i don't i don't know never seen it maybe it's great i don't know but i feel like there's so many that was like here's our attempt here's our attempt so it made it seem like when it came out it was like well, Tom Cruise is going to put his dick on the table and explain to you exactly how you're supposed to do this. Exactly how a Lego sequel works. How to make it perfect. And I could argue, in the time between finished in the can and coming out in theaters, if you play your cards right, you get to see what works and doesn't work in several things that people are maybe highly anticipated, maybe not. Yeah. And you could go back and tweak just a little bit of what you've got because... We all know. Oh, I'm very. You don't have. You don't have the, the bare bones the of post production was like. Right. You don't have a bare bone. What you get, uh, just assume there's a whole other movie on the cutting room floor somewhere, 
where they may have done it an extra take, done it a different way, shot a bunch of other stuff they may or may not have needed because they wanted to play around with it. Yeah. Or even for the simple fact of some things shoot now as we're going to be R or we're going to be unrated. So there's going to be different cuts of everything. So that's what I'm curious at is, is the timing of it as opposed to coming out when it was finished. Versus... Oh, it, do- it doesn't hit in the same way. No, it doesn't. It's, it's, it, it's the perfect storm. It, yeah. No, it could only have happened this year. Yeah. Given what theaters have been through. I mean, again, dude, it, it has, I can't remember the last time a movie, like it literally just stuck around in the top 10 long enough that like the last two weeks, I think there's been like no real new releases anybody cared about. And it's been number one again. Right. And it's like, it's not all of a sudden bringing, still bringing in like 20 mil or whatever, but the fact that it's still bringing in like consistently $5 million a week, like on the big screen when it is also available at home to watch right. now is just like, yeah. Cause like my new boss was telling me she, she was the one she was telling me, I didn't realize that, that Lewis Pullman, Bill Pullman's kid. I had no idea he was in that movie. Yeah. Bob, you know, I was like, Holy shit. But she was telling me how like, you know, they saw it twice in theaters and since it's come out and been available, he's bought it and they, he, they, he, her husband's watched it like four or five times because her husband's, a, um, I think he's retired security forces for the air force. But mm-hmm. you know, we we're talking about like just how like that was just like, so, like out of nowhere, just such a fucking good movie. And maybe if we don't have that critique and like, we don't have like this billion dollar film that just happened this year. Yeah, it's going to color our reaction to it because ultimately, my real problem with Top Gun is just his teeth. I'm glad he got him fixed. You know what I mean? The rest of it, I get it. I understand that it's somewhat of a caricature of the time. I understand that it's like, I just don't. I just don't have the same nostalgia for it that I do for some other stuff of that era. Right. That I think hit me hard because it wasn't. It wasn't meant to appeal. To me as no, a kid. no, you know what all. I mean. Mm-hmm. It was just one of those things that, like, I saw because it was on all the time. Exactly, but <clears throat> yeah, no, they're do we, yeah. It, it's I was honestly like a, probably bored by the the adult romance angle of it. At exactly. the age I would have seen it on TV a bunch. Exactly, and uh, shockingly, that's the whole aspect that hasn't aged for me that well. But yeah, so that's my thing is I just like I've never had a ton of nostalgia for it as a movie. It more of just as like a funny curio of like we remember the. Kenny Loggins sequences and yeah. stuff like that. Um, but because yeah, no, it, it, again, it tells now, you if one thing, dudes were always chiseled, sweaty and Vaseline up in the eighties, whether it was Rocky, whether it was Top Gun, yeah. whether it was, you know, uh, but again, know. that's the, that's the incredible move of Maverick is it can take a movie that even I don't have these like incredibly emotional ties to, and then somehow reminds me of like this fake imagined version of that movie that doesn't mm-hmm. really exist. Right. But like it plants the seed enough in your brain that you're like, I love Top Gun. Like, yeah, of course, the classic American screen character, Pete Mitchell. Yeah. The further adventures of Pete, Pete Mitchell. Yeah. What's been going on? Mm-hmm. It just, I don't know. Loved it. Can't wait to watch that again. Can't tell you the next time I'll rewatch the OG man. I just don't think you even need to at what this if, point. What if they came out and they was like, "Well, actually, his name really wasn't Pete Mitchell. It was actually John McCain. It was Maverick. He did all this stuff. You know, that would be even better." No, I'm just kidding. Um, yeah, no, I don't. I, it's one of those like I want it to exist as it did in the theater for me, and I'll wait maybe a year, year mm-hmm. and a half, and then I'll go catch it again on a very nice new big screen sound system something. 
projector because I just there's it's like I told my boss the moment that you sit down and that man comes on screen and tells you what he did for you and how he's grateful that he was able to do it for you and how you know whether how fake or real that rant was about him getting on people and set whatever it was there's really to me that was for real and that yeah. was for Mission Impossible right there's only two people like that on this planet. There's two movie stars on this planet. Tom Cruise and Tom Hanks. That's it. They're both named Tom. Those are, that, that, take your hat off, boy. That's a movie star. Tell, give me another movie star right now. I would argue that Tom Hanks has diluted his brand so much in the last 10 years that I don't consider him one of the great American movie stars anymore. Great American I think, film actor? I think we only have one left. I think that's what Maverick was about. There only is one guy left who can do this, and his name is Tom Cruise. Love it or hate it, he's the only guy who could take a movie like this and open it on the scale that he did and have ever. Again, a lot of... <laughs> a huge portion of the audience for this movie are people who on paper should be like, Tom Cruise... That weird Hollywood Scientology guy? Yeah. How dare... Like, I don't give a shit about his movies or whatever. And he has convinced all of them that, again, he's the last American movie star, mm -hmm. and we should be damn lucky to have him. They're probably the same people like, the one that was in his underwear before that's this what, one came out? What are you what talking I'm about? That's I'm saying, dude. Yeah. It's just like the idea that he still... Prancing around to Bob Seger? What the hell's wrong he, with him? He just... He stuck in there long enough. He made just enough strategic choices of like, okay, people, like 2005, 2006, people, it's as bad as it's ever going to get. People think that he is insane. People, I mean, he is, but like people yeah. are aware of it right. for the first time. And it's like everything's out on a public scale. The fact that he just stuck in there long enough knew exactly like, I can't ruffle any more feathers. I got to stop talking about psychiatry on public television. I got to start making fun of myself. Like, let me go do Tropic Thunder. Let, yes. Let me at least show a little bit of humility in that aspect. And then let me just slowly build back up. But again, the last several years has been just like, I got to be the hero, the lead, show a little bit of humility and just get the job done. That's me. That's Tom Cruise. I get the job done. I make a satisfying movie. And outside of like the mummy, he really doesn't trip up at all. Mm -mm. And he just, just steadily, like I said, he just stuck in there and now he's able to, and again, mission like dead reckoning is going to destroy. It's going to crush. Yeah. So hard next year. I can't wait. Okay. You think he looks around and he's like, oh, man, I can't be like my cousin William. He's an actor. I, I got to be a movie star. Yeah. Okay, well, if you don't think that he, if you if there's none left but him, who do you think is even close in that realm? Because when I say movie star, I mean somebody who is like transcended an actor. And it does not matter what I mean, it honestly, is you're watching them with. That thing will make like a billion dollars. Somebody who I think, again, this, this is an argument of how much you think doing things for streaming platforms, et cetera, kind of dilutes your brand. Again, the fact that like the last two big Tom Hanks movies, other than Elvis, which I have complicating feelings about the that. other two big Tom Hanks movies prior to that were, um, what is it? Fitch Finch Finch for Apple TV and Greyhound for Apple TV. What about news of the world? What was that? That was limited release and that was Paul Greengrass and it, you know, okay. yeah, it did what it did, but I don't think it was a huge hit. 
Um, I almost you were asking, and I was going to say, well, on the on the female side of things, Sandra Bullock to me is one of those people who still oh, yeah. she's, a, she's is a of that caliber, but she's a movie star, but has also done stuff like Bird Box and some other Netflix yeah. originals where I'm like, anytime you. Anytime you do that on a subconscious, on a, I think a very subconscious level for the audience, it's like the fucking, the Pacino scene in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Right. Like, uh, once somebody what? can see you at home, it does cheapen a little. It's like, what well, do I need? But do I need to go to the theater for your next one? Because won't it just be, he, Tom Cruise, by virtue of still sticking to his guns and never never doing anything for a streamer, not letting this go to Paramount Plus, all of that stuff, right? is because he is still one of those guys who it's like, if you want to see me do my thing, you got to pay. You got to pay a ticket and come see it the way it's meant to be seen. Now, do you and think there that's are for just love so of the... few people who are still doing that, who have not in some way crossed over, that I think that alone, to me, do you think it's he's like, doing that out of vanity? Or do you think he's doing that out of like pure, like I know what it takes for this to get made. And I, I'm trying to show appreciation for the people who are behind me. I do think all this. It, I truly think it's a mix of both. Okay. I do think it is an ego thing of like, I'm Tom Cruise. Right. You yeah. go see my movies in a theater. The idea that any, either of those would go to a streaming service during the pandemic is like, beneath him. He was never going to let that happen. Yeah. And then he was proved right in a very James Cameron S fashion where it was, people were like, Oh man, like real people, the Top Gun sequel, like really, this is what you're holding on to? Yeah. Like, just put it out, dude. People want to watch something. Like, just release it in the midst of the pandemic. I love that he was out there shilling for movie theaters, doing the whole thing for Tenet when it came out in 2020. And just like, it's safe to go back to the movies. Like, I'm glad I saw it on a big screen. But ultimately, he does that. He goes out, he makes a big, like, hey, everybody go see Tenet. And then he sees what Tenet does, and he's like, we're waiting at least another year. He's like, we're waiting. He's like, Chris Chris can bite the bullet. I'm not doing it. He can fall but in that sword. That I'm not put, doing it. The fact that he put his name and his brand out there to be like, everybody, go see it. And then it tanks and he's like, not to my movie. Not nope. to my fucking movie. Nope. That, again, is the ruthless, the ego-driven so, okay, part that we, I know is there that is just like... Can we say that like yeah. he does that, Tenet falls on its sword, and he watches Fast 9 try last year. Yeah. Get kind of semi close, but he's like, nah, still not. Ready. Time's not right. Water's still a little cold. We exactly. need to warm it up just a little bit more, dude. You know, that's. Yeah. I mean, any interview you read with him, because again, he reads like a robot. He doesn't talk about his personal life. He talks about movies. He's like, I watch between two and three movies every day. He goes to the movie theater like at least once a week without fail. He goes to see something. Why? Because he loves movies. But why for real? Because that dude is a, a student of the, the industry, yeah. the audience, what people want to see. That's why his hit rate, historically, is very, very strong compared to a lot of other people in his position. Mm-hmm. He hasn't had too many fuck-ups or failures on a grand scale, and he's only ever really had one major, like, you know, personal public fuck up on a major scale and somehow he has he just waited it out dude it's been like 15 years and people just have kind of forgotten about it at this point now they're just like stop cruise yeah stop cruise 
And then you definitely do have people who are like, well, he still is a Scientologist, right? And I'm like, well, he doesn't really talk about it anymore. And they're like, but he still is part of that church that, like, ruins the lives of, you know, hundreds of people a day kind of thing. And I'm like, I mean, yeah, yeah but, but... Christians have ruined a lot of people's lives, too. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Everybody who's part of any church, that church has probably ruined some people's lives. None of them pay taxes. None of them want to... You want to solve world hunger? You want to solve any drug problem we have? Tax the churches. Do it. Oh, you can't? Oh, okay. Well, fine then. If you don't have a solution to the problem, stop complaining about it. So he can go on <laughs> believing in... And on that seven note, or whatever, thanks for joining. Whatever big giant alien ship in the sky is taking them to XYZ00.2 planet thing that they believe. I mean... <laughs> At the end of the Are day, we... he's one of those guys that's like, no matter what he does, like mom, mom does not like him at all, mm-hmm. but she'll go watch shit because that's entertainment. Yeah, we're flying back out of the danger zone now. Uh, thank you for listening to this rambling two by two. You've been playing with the boys with Noah and Kat. <laughs> You've been playing with the boys. You've been playing with the boys. Yeah, maybe that is our outro from now. On. Yeah, it could be. Okay. All right. Uh, yeah. Until next time. Uh, check back in uh, on this feed. Coming very very soon. We'll be wrapping up uh, Primal Pod and Cast. Uh, with Mr. Mikey Chappelle and uh, head over to our Patreon for our Summers in the ER series and Gavin and I will be back here very very soon with another 2x2 retro review Uh, thank you for sticking around thank you for listening good day sir did you uh, find out who the best is? what? (laughs) I was going to say did you find out who the best is? (laughs) So this was such a nice conversation. It was. It was very nice. Oh it's no, I was I was doing that. Oh. This was such a nice conversation. Okay. Let's not ruin. Okay. Are we done? Yeah. It's just nice to to do it in the daylight. I feel like we get a lot done. It's a different conversation. It's more upbeat. I feel like we're both awake. Oh, yeah. 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 All right. Fire with the boys. So-